Chapter 18 As Brant gaped in horror, the skeleton of a child toppled out of the wall. The child's bony hands clutched the dog's skeleton in its arms. Holding his breath against the foul odor, Brant forced himself to look. The small body was decomposed. A ragged, little pair of jeans and a shirt clung to the boy's bones. The bones tumbled in a heap to the floor. Brant turned away, fighting down his nausea. The room lay in silence now. The pitiful cries had stopped. Brant stared at the hideous little skull with his patch of red hair. This boy was calling to me, Brant knew. That was a tiny voice that I heard. But how? Abby's words echoed in his mind. The house is evil. The house is evil. Maybe, Brant thought. Or maybe the house was haunted by the ghost of James. Brant's parents returned home about an hour after Brant discovered the skeleton. Mrs. McCloy gasped in horror at the sight, but Brant's father stared at the two skeletons, fascinated. This could explain a lot of the strange things about the house, he told Brant. The noises you've been hearing. Your sense that someone's in the room with you, he paused. It's not a classic case, but I think we've had a poltergeist. What are we going to do with these bones, Mrs. McCloy moaned. How can you be talking about poltergeists when we have the skeleton of a child on our floor? Poltergeists are often the ghosts of children, Mr. McCloy continued, staring at the pile of bones. They're mischievous, but they rarely hurt anyone. No one has been hurt in this house, have they? What about Ginny? Brant demanded. And what about poor Ezra? Hmm. Mr. McCloy rubbed his chin thoughtfully. Mischievous doesn't describe what I felt in this house, Brant said heatedly. It's more like evil. That's just because it scares you, Mr. McCloy insisted. Because you don't know what causes it, it seems mysterious. A heavy silence fell over the room as the three of them stared at the skeleton of James and the dog. Poor kid, Brant thought. He sounded so frightened, so alone. How did he get trapped in the wall? And how could he be calling out to us more than a year after he died? Brant's head swam with questions. So many questions. Mr. McCloy broke the silence. We'd better call the police. They will deal with the remains. And get in touch with the family. As they made their way downstairs, Mr. McCloy put an arm around Brant's shoulder. Maybe the house will settle down now, he said, once this poor boy is buried and can rest in peace. Brant sighed. I hope so, Dad. I really do. Poor James, the ghost of Kelly thought as she watched the grim-faced police officers carry away her brother's bones. My poor brother James. You're such a cute little guy. So sweet, so beautiful. And look at you now. Oh, an officer uttered a cry as his hand slipped and the dog's skull clattered to the floor. It rolled to a stop at Callie's feet. She floated back. Goodbye, James, she thought. Goodbye. I hope you rest better than me. She realized she felt no sadness. Her anger was much too strong to allow any soft feelings in. Too late, James, she thought, feeling her bitterness surge. Too late for you. Too late for me. She floated close to Brant, who stood watching the police officers go about their unpleasant job. Don't get too cozy, Brant, Callie told him silently, because your problems aren't over yet. It's too late for James. Too late for me. And it's too late for you. Chapter 19 On Saturday morning, Brant stepped outside to get the newspaper. He opened the front door to find Abby standing on the porch, ready to ring the bell. Hi, she said brightly. Hey, Abby, Brant cried in surprise. You're looking good. She was cute in a pair of faded jeans, a white shirt, and a pale blue vest. Abby smiled. What's up? Brant leaned down and picked up the folded newspaper. Not much. Why don't you come in? He suddenly pictured the warning in the diary. Abby is next. Should he warn her about it? No, he decided. The threat is all gone. The little boy's bones had been removed nearly a week before. 
and nothing strange or frightening had happened in the house since then. No need to scare Abby, Brant decided. No need to make her think I'm some kind of paranoid nutcase. She followed him inside. Brant stepped into the kitchen to give the newspaper to his mother. She was washing the breakfast dishes. He found Abby in the living room, staring at his father's wall of old weapons. What's all this stuff? she asked. It's so strange and primitive looking. This is my dad's collection of arms and armor, Brant explained. He's really into old tribal weapons and stuff. How did he get it all? Abby asked. She stared at the thin, feathered darts in fascination. Did he buy them? No. We lived on a remote island in the Pacific for a couple of years, Brant told her. The people there were into weird stuff. They had all kinds of bizarre costumes and ceremonies. Like what? Abby asked. Brant paused, remembering. Well, they used a lot of weird herbs to mix love potions and things like that. They believed in spirits and ghosts. Wow, Abby said. It must have been cool to live there. It was interesting, Brant admitted. But it was difficult, too. They thought differently from us. Like, they believed every animal and person has two spirits, not just one. You mean like split personalities? No, Brant explained. One spirit is your personality. It's what makes you different from other people. And the other spirit is a sort of life force that keeps you alive. That's why they sacrifice animals and drink the blood. I don't get it, Abby said. They think the blood contains the animal's life force, and if they drink it, their own life force would get stronger. And what happens to the other spirit? The personality spirit, Abby asked. That becomes your ghost. Your personality spirit can haunt people if it wants to. Abby stared at the wall thoughtfully. Did you ever see a ghost while you were there? She asked. No, Brent replied. No, I never did. Abby stepped closer to the wall, examining a spear. Brent heard the telephone ring in the kitchen. A moment later, his mother called. Brent! Phone! I'll be right back, he told Abby. He hurried into the kitchen. His mother handed him the phone and stepped away, wiping down a counter. Hello? Hi, Brent, it's Ginny! Brent couldn't hide his surprise. Ginny, hi, he exclaimed. I haven't talked to you all week. I thought maybe... Brant didn't get a chance to finish his sentence. A loud, clattering crash from the living room interrupted him. He dropped the phone receiver when he heard a chilling scream. Abby's scream. Chapter 20 Abby's screams rose shrilly. Brant cried out in surprise and raced out of the kitchen. Abby? He found her on the floor, pinned under the heavy suit of armor. Help me! Abby cried. I can't move. Oh my goodness! Mrs. McCloy cried right behind Brant. How did this happen? Brant struggled to lift the metal suit off Abby. It, it won't budge, she stammered. Abby moaned and tried to move one of her arms. Hurry, she pleaded. I can't breathe. It's so heavy. Brant struggled to lift the armor. His mother stepped to the other side and bent to help. They managed to move it just enough for Abby to wriggle out from under it. Are you all right? Brant asked. Does anything feel broken? Abby remained seated on the floor, her expression dazed. She rubbed her arm. It, it just flew off the wall, she murmured. I was looking at it. And it flew off the wall. It didn't just fall, Brant. It flew. It was hanging very securely, Mrs. McCloy said, puzzled. I know we checked the hooks three times. Nothing like this has happened before. Brant helped Abby to her feet. He led her to the couch. Mrs. McCloy hurried to the kitchen to get her a glass of water. Brant sat down beside Abby. I don't know how to tell you this, he began. But someone knew that you would have an accident. Someone predicted it. Huh? Abby sat up straight. Who? Who predicted it? I don't know, Brant replied uneasily. One of the twins who used to live here, her name was Callie, kept a diary. I found it in the attic, but sometimes when I look at it, he hesitated. What? Abby asked. Go on, Brant. There are new entries, Brant told her. I know it sounds crazy, but someone is still writing in it, and the last entry predicted that you would get hurt. 
I told you this house was evil, Abby exclaimed, close to tears. Brent put his arms around her, trying to calm her. It could have been an accident, he said in a soothing voice, though he didn't believe it himself. Or just a coincidence. It wasn't, Abby declared. I know it wasn't. Anyway, you're okay, Brant said. You weren't really hurt, right? Abby sniffed. I guess not. But someone will get hurt here, Brant. The stories about this house must be true. Brant held his arms around her, but said nothing. It could have been an accident, he told himself again. James is buried. The ghost is gone. The house is no longer haunted. Right? Brant sat up as the bell rang, ending school. He rubbed his eyes, then slowly followed the other kids out of the classroom. Well... I made it through another day, he thought, but if I don't get some sleep soon, I'll start dozing off in class. He had spent another sleepless night. The footsteps in the attic had returned. He lay staring up at the ceiling, gripping the blankets tightly, listening, listening all night. With a weary sigh, he stood at his locker, daydreaming. He heard a basketball being bounced on the hard floor. McCloy, I want to talk to you. Brant raised his eyes to discover John Burks beside him. Listen, John, Brant said. I don't have much time. John tucked the basketball under one arm and placed his other arm on Brant's shoulder. What's up, man? he asked, grinning at Brant. Not much, Grant replied, edging away. I've got to get going, John. Glancing down the hall, Brant noticed that all the other kids had left. How's the bad shoulder? John asked, ignoring Brant's impatience. He slapped his shoulder. How's that feel? Not too bad? His grin remained frozen on his face. See you later, Brant uttered. He turned and headed away, but John caught up with him. Hey. What's up with you and Ginny? Brant stopped short. Why don't you ask her? He snapped. John's face turned bright red. He leaned menacingly toward Brant. Don't mess with me, he muttered. He bumped Brant's shoulder hard. Brant knew he should back away, but he could never take the easy way out. Watch out for those fouls, John, he said sharply. John's face turned even redder. Ginny and you. It isn't going to happen, he said softly. He bounced the ball against the wall, just missing Brant's head. Then he bounced it again. You've got to remember one thing, he told Brant, his grin returning. You bruise real easily. Brant didn't reply. His eyes were staring over John's shoulder. He saw something in the empty hall. A dark shape. A shadow. It hovered behind John. John seemed unaware of the presence behind him, but Brant saw it. He gaped at it in terror. It's back, Brant realized. Whoever it is, whatever it is, it's following me. John's threats meant nothing to Brant now. He sensed that the shadow figure was far more dangerous than John ever could be. I can't let John leave me, Brant thought. I've got to stick with him until this thing goes away. Maybe you bruise easily too, he told John. Want to find out? Want to see who bruises the most easily? John's eyes widened in surprise. Huh? No way, man. I mean, no way. I'm not fighting you. I don't want to slaughter on my hands. Hey, don't wimp out, Brant challenged. Come on, John, let's go. Right here. Brant shoved John's shoulder. John barely moved. He just stared back at Brant, amazed. Get serious. Brant shoved him again. You don't know what you're doing. You can't fight me. You scared? Brant demanded. You chicken, John? John brushed past Brant's arm. He shook his head. You're the weirdest guy I ever met, he said. He turned and started down the hall. Brant panicked. The shadowy figure loomed up behind John. John, wait, Brant called desperately. You're going to basketball practice. John kept walking. He didn't reply. Brant glanced at the dark shadow, moving closer, and hurried to catch up to John. I think I'll come along and watch, he said. How's the team surviving without me? John stared at him as if he were insane. You've got problems, McCloy, he said, rolling his eyes. Major problems. I know, Brant thought, glancing back. The shadowy figure gave up then, retreating around the corner. 
What is it? Brant wondered, breathing a sigh of relief. Why is it following me? How long will I be able to avoid it? Chapter 21 The diary. The diary has the answers, Brant thought. He had stuck close to John all the way to the gym, afraid the shadowy figure would be waiting outside the school. But it wasn't. It had vanished. Brant had run all the way home. I've got to do something, Brant told himself, slamming the door behind him and locking it. I've got to do something, before it gets me, before it tries to hurt Abby again. He shut himself up in his room. He furiously read through Callie's diary, searching for clues, for hints, for anything that could help explain the dark ghost to him. Callie seemed so nice in the beginning, he thought sadly as he paid through the diary. Funny, fun to be with. I would have liked her, I know I would have. But what happened to her? Is she really dead? Is she the ghost haunting this house? Is she the one writing the new entries and hurting my friends? Is Callie the dark shadow that has been following me? Questions. Nothing but questions. No answers. Brant shut the diary and carried it across the hall to his father's study. Bookshelves lined the study walls, but half of them stood empty. Unopened cartons were piled on the floor. Brant scanned the bookshelves, looking for a title that might help him. He saw dusty, ancient volumes written in languages he didn't recognize. Mr. McCloy collected antique books on spells and strange rites. No good, no good, no good, Brant murmured reading the spines of the books. If only I could read Latin. He gave up on the books on the shelves and ripped open a carton. He pulled out books called Reincarnation in Ancient Rome, The Occult in San Francisco, and Poisons, Potions, and the Sumerian Gods. Shaking his head, he stacked them on the floor. At last he found a book that interested him, The Nature of Evil. He scanned his pages, searching for anything that might answer his questions. Evil never dies, the author wrote. Those who do its work can be conquered, but evil itself never goes away. It only seeks a new vessel. Anyone can become a victim of evil. Even the kindest heart, the gentlest soul, is at its mercy. That's what happened to Callie Fraser, Brant thought. Something evil got her, and changed her. Something in his house. He thought of the attic, the creaking, the footsteps. The attic had things the Frasers had left behind in their hurry to leave. Maybe they left a clue, he thought. A clue about what happened to Callie. About how it can keep the same thing from happening to me. Clutching a diary, he hurried to the attic. He switched on the light. The bare bulb cast harsh shadows around the room. Brant frantically began digging through the Fraser's dusty boxes. He found children's books, a teddy bear with one eye missing, old clothes. Then he came across a photograph in a wooden frame. He picked it up in a trembling hand. The glass was cracked, the picture slightly faded. It showed two blonde girls about twelve or thirteen standing together in front of an apartment building. The girls were smiling and had their arms wrapped around each other. A little red-haired boy stood in front of them, grinning. One of his teeth was missing. Sisters, twin sisters, and their younger brother. A picture of Callie, Cody, and James. It was taken before they moved here, Brant figured. They seemed so happy. Before all the trouble. Before their family was ripped apart. Before James and Callie died. He dropped the photo back into the box. It won't happen to me, he vowed silently. It won't happen to Abby or Ginny or Meg. I won't let it. A noise cut through the silence. Brant tensed. What was that? It sounded like a giggle. Brant strained to hear. Laughter. Soft laughter. A girl's laughter. Where was it coming from? Downstairs? He hurried down the attic stairs and stood in the second floor hallway. The laughter grew louder. He spun around. It seemed to surround him. Hey! He cried. Who's there? Where are you? Such cold laughter. So joyless. Scornful laughter. Louder and shrill. Screeching. Harsh and unpleasant laughter. Evil laughter. Where are you? Who is here? He cried. Covering his ears with his hands, he ran from room to room, frantically searching for the laughing girl, 
Stop it! Stop! He shouted. Covering his ears didn't help. The cruel laughter rang out as if inside his head. Louder and louder, the laughter of a girl gone mad. Trying to escape the frightening sound, Brant lunged into his room and slammed the door. The harsh, grating laughter followed him, swirled around him, louder, louder. Stop it! Please! I can't stand it! He couldn't hear his own cries over the roar of laughter. He turned on the radio. The sound of a heavy metal group blared out. He cranked the volume all the way up, but the laughter pounded in his ears, louder than the loudest music. Stop! Stop! Louder and louder, it echoed and rang, until Brant's entire body throbbed with pain. My head is going to split open, Brant realized. The laughter! It's going to kill me! Chapter 22 Brant threw open his bedroom door and ran out into the hall. The laughter and thudding music followed him as he scrambled down the stairs. Got to get away! Got to get out! He pulled open the front door and raced out of the house. He didn't stop running until he reached the street. His ears rang. His body throbbed and vibrated as if he had received a powerful electrical shock. But the laughter had stopped. He had escaped. Struggling to catch his breath, waiting for the ringing in his ears to fade, he stared across the dark yard at the house. Can I go back inside? he wondered. What is waiting in there for me next? The ghost of Callie Frazier watched Brant from the upstairs window. A cruel smile played over her pale face as she watched him stagger into the street holding his ears. What's wrong, Brant? she asked silently. Don't you like to hear a girl having fun? I'll bet you like it when Ginny laughs, and Meg, and Abby. Why not me? Callie sighed. These silly pranks are losing their excitement, she decided. It was too easy to frighten Brant, too boring. Brant and I are going to spend a long, long time together, she knew. It will be much more fun if Brant is dead, too. She watched him staring up at the house. It will be better when we can laugh together, Brant, she told him silently. I'm getting so impatient. First, I'll take care of your friends. And then, I'll take care of you. Chapter 23 Brant jumped when the doorbell rang on Wednesday afternoon after school. He wasn't expecting anyone. His mother had gone shopping, and his father was sawing some branches off a tree in the side yard. Mr. McCloy didn't teach on Wednesdays. The doorbell rang again. Brant stepped quietly to the front window and peered out. Ginny and Meg... Brant opened the door. The two girls smiled at him. Meg held a plate cover with aluminum foil in her hands. Happy birthday, Jimmy cried, laughing. It's not my birthday, Brant told them. Of course it is, Ginny insisted. She handed him the plate. It's brownies, Meg explained. We had some left over from the bake sale last week. We thought you liked them. They're not too stale, Ginny added, only a little. But it's not my birthday, Brant insisted. That's why we didn't bring a cake, Meg exclaimed. Both girls burst out laughing. Ginny's expression turned serious. We heard about John getting on your case the other day, she said. I'm sorry about that. No problem, Brant replied. Actually, I got on his case. We know, Ginny said. He told us he didn't want to hurt you. He's not such a jerk after all, I guess. Ginny likes him again, Meg explained. Shut up, Ginny shot back, shoving Meg off the porch. Come on in, Brant urged. You can have a stale brownie. The girls exchanged glances. Brant caught the fear in their eyes. Hey, you're not scared, are you? Brant teased. Ginny held up her hands, the wrists had tiny scars. I haven't recovered from the last time I was here, she exclaimed. Come on, Ginny, Meg prompted. Just a couple of minutes. Really, what could happen? Okay, Ginny replied tensely. I, I kind of decided. That is, my mother convinced me. You know, that thing with the glass. It must have been an accident, right? I mean, what else could have happened? Bran stepped aside to let the girls in. We'll all be real careful this time, he said. He nearly dropped the plate of brownies, and they all laughed. He led them into the living room. The McCloys had unpacked more of the cartons, and the room looked a little more lived in. Brant set the plate on the coffee table and pulled off the tin foil. Outside the window, he could hear his father sawing at a branch. 
Help yourselves to the brownies, he offered. We don't want them, Meg said. That's why we brought them over in the first place, so we wouldn't eat them all. I sort of want one, Ginny admitted. She took a brownie and nibbled on it. Then she wandered over to the wall and fingered one of the brightly colored darts. Did you ever see these, Meg? Ginny asked. No, Meg replied. What are they? They're deadly darts, Ginny told her. Right, Brant? Right, Brant replied. You shoot them with a blowgun. Brant scanned the wall for a blowgun to show them. Then he went to a table in a corner of the room and pulled open a drawer. Here's a blowgun. He pulled a short wooden tube from the drawer. I guess it's okay if I show you. He glanced out the window at his father. Mr. McCloy was still working away. He didn't seem to be making much progress. Ginny took the tube and examined it. It was hollow, made of dark brown wood, and painted with interesting red and yellow symbols. These red marks stand for death, Brain explained. I think the yellow symbols have something to do with reincarnation. And they kill people with this? Ginny asked. Amazing, it's so small. Want me to show you how it works? Brain asked. The girls nodded. Brant carefully picked a dart from the wall. You place the dart in this slot, he said, sliding the dart into a niche at one end of the tube. Make sure the point is going in the right direction. And make sure you don't inhale, the girls laughed. You put your lips at this end and blow. Brant puffed a small amount of air, pretending to blow through the gun. You must have to blow hard to get the dart to go far enough, Meg said. The island people knew some kind of trick for that, Brant explained. They can just give a little puff and the dart flies out hundreds of feet. It's amazing. Brant, Mr. McCloy called from outside. Brant hurried to the window. His father was sweating from his effort, but the branch he was working on still clung to the dead tree. Can you come out and help me a minute? He shouted. Brant nodded at him and turned back to the girls. I'll be right back, he said. I hope we don't eat all the brownies while you're gone, Ginny said, picking up a second one. Brant pulled on a sweater and hurried out the door to help his father. Check this out, Brant, Mr. McCloy said fretfully. Did you ever see wood like this before? Brant examined the cut his father had made in the branch. The wood wasn't gray brown, as dead wood should be, but dark red, like blood. What kind of tree is this? Brant asked. I have no idea, his father admitted. If I had to make up a name for it, I call it a bloodwood tree. It's the toughest wood I've ever tried to cut. I wonder how it will burn. Brant took the saw from his father and pulled it across the branch a few times. He managed to cut the branch halfway through. We're getting there, his father said. He took back the saw and worked some more, groaning with every movement. Finally, the branch cracked and fell to the ground. Bright red sap oozed from the branch's cut surface. Weird, Brant exclaimed. The sap really does look like blood. It does, doesn't it, Mr. McCloy agreed. You know, I've had enough of this. I'm going to call Mr. Hankers and see if he can do anything with these trees. I'm getting too old for this. And you... His father stopped, but Brant knew what he was thinking. My condition, he thought with irritation. I shouldn't be chopping trees with my condition. You can go back inside now if you want, Mr. McCloy said. I'm going to clean up the mess I've made. All right, Brant walked around to the kitchen door. Hey, Ginny, Meg, Brant called from the hall. I hope you saved a brownie for me. No reply. That's strange, he thought. Those two never shut up when they're together. Maybe they got bored waiting for me and left, Brant thought, a little disappointed. Meg? Ginny? He called as he walked toward the living room. Still no reply. Brant stepped into the living room. Hey! He saw the blowgun on the floor and lying a few feet away were Meg and Ginny. Their eyes were open, staring, blank. Their mouths hung open in frozen horror. Each girl had a dart stuck in her throat.